Welcome to another episode of the Mapscaping Podcast. My name is Daniel and this is a podcast for the geospatial community. Today on the podcast we're talking about a browser-based mapping tool called Felt. And yeah, you might be thinking, great, we have lots of those already. What is different about this one? Well, how many of those other tools have an upload anything button? That's right, upload anything. You don't have to decide what you're uploading. Do you want to upload something? Yes or no? That is kind of amazing. Think about that for a second. Upload anything. That's a bold promise. You can upload anything at all and we'll figure it out on the back end. And from what I've seen of Felt so far, this, this kind of sets the tone for what Felt is as a product. So another cool thing about Felt. Felt is the first and only flagship sustaining member of the QGIS project. They are building an open source tiling engine called Tippecanoe. They also support protomaps and the development of PM tiles both open source projects, as well as contributing code to MapLibre and GDAO. And although this podcast is not an open source project, when I asked Felt if they would help cover the costs of creating this episode, they said yes. They didn't have to, but they did. But this is not why you should listen to this episode. You should listen to this episode because if we are going to grow the geospatial pie, we need more upload anything buttons. But I'll let Sam Hashimi the CEO and co-founder of Felt explained more about that in just a second. Hi Sam, welcome to the podcast. You are the CEO and co-founder of something called Felt. Welcome, it's great to have you with us. Would you mind just putting some more words around that for us? Who are you and, and how did you get involved with web mapping, I guess? Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's great to be here. Thank you for hosting. My quick story is I am a designer, a product designer, who started working in government. So for something like a decade, I worked for Department of Justice, Department of Energy, NASA, designing an iPad for astronauts. So working on these really complex, deep systems um, and trying to make them fun and joyful despite a lot of red tape. I did that for many years and I got good at making these kind of tools. Took that energy, that spirit, started a business called Remix that did city planning software. So we help cities plan out bike lanes, bus routes, street designs. It was sort of a real-life SimCity. You could choose your city, move things around, and it would tell you, going to cost this much, have this kind of social impact. Cities were doing this on paper before, so this was better. It was fun. It was exciting. Cities loved it. And so in five years, we got 400 cities. We got New York and London and Auckland and San Francisco, wow. more or less every major city in the Western world. And today, Remix is the you know, the default city planning software that cities use. Congratulations. That is huge. Would you mind me asking, um, what other piece of software were you competing against? It was paper and Excel. It was paper. Yeah. That was it. Universally, people were using paper and Excel to try to plan out these things. For whatever reason, no one with design chops and software chops had given this, this industry love. And so we were really excited to, to kind of really make a big change. Wow. That's really interesting. Yeah. So we built that business. We ended up selling it to this company called Via for a hundred million bucks. So big (laughs) victory there. Yeah. And I I took some time off, started thinking about what to do next. And I just, I remembered this thing I had seen again and again, every time we worked with a city, uh, which is how hard it was to make a map, just a, a basic map with dots on it, let alone a more complex map. It still took quite a bit of time and effort. And there were some really powerful desktop pieces of software like QGIS and Esri, but there was nothing on the internet that was modern and fun and playful. There was no 
Google Sheets for Maps. There was the Excel, but there was no Google Sheets. And so we started felt with that idea. How do we be the Google Sheets for Maps? How do we make it fun, playful, delightful online? And we're still at the beginning. We're still at the beginning. We launched the company two years ago. We launched the software one year ago. We're a team of 22, but we're starting to see some really exciting ways people are using the software. So I feel like we're on the, at the beginning of something really big. I really hope so. Interesting to hear you use these words like fun, joyful, playful. This sounds like maybe this is the designer version of, of that marketing script where people talk about surprise and, and delight. I, I don't know. But it's interesting. In, in the mapping world, I don't usually pe- hear people talking like that. People talk about functional, quick, practical, productive, that kind of thing. And you, you seem to be approaching this with you know, a, a different sort of flavor, a different, well, a different approach, I guess. How have you found that? Like, are, are people welcoming the change? Do you have to explain it all the time? Are people constantly comparing it to the existing pieces of software that they may have been, might be using today? This is not like your, your, your planning software that you built. You know, people are building maps on the internet already. They're using tools that they've been using for quite some time. And there's some established players in this market. Absolutely. And I think if you talk to our customers, you'll find out it's a breath of fresh air. They've been waiting for something like this. I think that's the, the, the energy I get when I talk to our customers. And I think the reason is that Software in general has changed. It used to be about when it made sense, all about just like make sure it's possible to get it done. And then people started spending a lot of time on computers. It became the main thing they did all day. And sitting in front of a machine and all day doing a functional task can really drain something deep within you. And people realize, hey, this stuff should actually be fun to use, joyful. You shouldn't be focused on the software. You should be focused on the task you're trying to accomplish. And so we saw spreadsheets become fun, right? You can use Google Sheets to play uh, spreadsheets or weird games or plan out a wedding. We saw databases become fun with Airtable. We saw wikis become fun with Notion. We saw design become even more fun with Figma. And so I think that's what we're seeing, this idea that if people are really going to be using this all day, it's got to be a truly delightful piece of software. Yeah, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. Who, who wants to use something that's boring, a boring tool? Why not make it fun? When you think about this, so this internet mapping software that, that you're building, felt. How do you refer to it? You, do you call it mapping software? W- would you ever call it a GIS tool? It's both. It's GIS, it's maps, it's something bigger, something new. I like the word maps personally because I think it represents the bigger medium, right? I think we have documents, spreadsheets, photos, videos, but there's a missing medium on the internet, which is maps. And there's a lot of work that happens within that context. I call that GIS. But I always like to point to the bigger thing, uh, which is maps. And so that does sometimes lead to questions of, well, who is this for? And for me, Felt is for three clear, distinct audiences. The first is GIS professionals. So if you are a GIS professional, if you're using something like Esri or QGIS, Felt is an amazing complementary tool. You can use it to share maps online, share them privately with your team, gather comments, do real-time collaboration. These kinds of things that traditionally were quite difficult in these desktop pieces of software. Audience two is people new to maps. If you are working at your job, you're managing a farm, you're, you're an archaeologist, and you've always found map making a little bit too difficult or requiring too much upfront cost, for the first time, you can jump into this medium and play with it yourself. And so we really want to encourage professionals in lots of different places to integrate maps more easily into their job. And the third, uh, the third of three is consumers. If you're planning a hike, or you are a student in a history class or a teacher in a history class, or you're planning out 
your backyard and how you might plant the garden. Felt is an amazing consumer-grade tool that replaces Google My Maps, replaces drawing and paint. It's a great way for consumers to jump into maps for the first time. So, so those are three at least very different audiences. I mean, they all have this overlap where they need to display some data on a map in, in some way, shape, or form. And you've talked about making software joyful, making it exciting, making it playful. And from what I've seen and felt, I think you've done a, you've done a good job of that. One thing that struck me with, with some of your design choices was a button that you've got there. Uh, you probably know which one I'm talking about, but it says upload anything. Now, <laughs> I've worked as a GIS professional for, for some time, and this idea that you can just upload anything is, is pretty foreign to me. And all the pieces of software that I've ever used, there's always been some restrictions. It's choose first, is this raster data? Is it vector data? What is the uh, geographic coordinate or what is the coordinate system that's being used here? Does it need to be geocoded first? Is it text-based? All these decisions that, that need to be made, but your software just is upload anything. Can we talk about that for a second, please? Of course. Yeah, I love upload anything. It is definitely my favorite button. It's the last one on the toolbar. We actually gave it a little sparkles <laughs> to really encourage <laughs> this is the thing you should use first right away. And you, you nailed it. It's often one of the biggest challenges in working with maps or working with GIS is opening the damn file in the first place. And you've got to figure out what projection it was in, what format it was in, what kind of transformations you need to apply to it. Where is the spatial data in the first place? They're hard problems, but a lot of them can actually be automated. And so we have built an incredible in-house staff who has in turn built what we call the pipeline that takes anything, literally anything that you upload and figures out how to put it on a map in the right way, making the right choices. So if you go to our help docs, you'll literally see the list of all the things, shapefile, geojson, geopackage, KML, GPS, arc layers, geotiffs, raster geopackages, spreadsheets, URLs, Esri feature servers. It's kind of anything. Uh, we really aspire for that anything mantle. And behind the scenes, uh, we have built a huge path of code that figures out for each type what to do. And some types are harder than others. So for example, if you upload a spreadsheet, how do you put that on a map? You might have latitudes, longitudes, you might have a well-known text, you might have just a zip code or an address. And all those things need to be handled in different ways. So this is actually a place where we use machine learning. So we have a large language model that reads the spreadsheet and determines the most likely spatial data in there. And then for each possibility, we geocode it, we geomatch it, we translate that lat long, we do whatever is necessary. And of course, the user can always go make a different choice later. They have full control, but most of the time we get it right so that most of the time you're not having to worry about how do I open this file. Wow. Did you, did you have to build all your own geocoding engine in the background? We use a variety of different services. So that's the way we've structured this to be able to build on top of the awesome services that exist out there, but are often hard to source and figure out which one's the right one to use. So for geocoding, we actually mix a few different services in behind the scenes. Okay. So, so there's literally, and I think geocoding is a really interesting example here because no, normally this is one of the worst, one of the more complicated ones, right? Choose the fields in your spreadsheet that are, you know, an address. Choose how the address is formatted. Choose the, the columns that are X and Y. All of that kind of stuff. I don't have to do any of this when I upload a, a spreadsheet into Felt. You do not, yeah. If, if there's a viewer out there listening and does not believe me, just please go try dragging a file in Felt and see what happens. I find that that's usually the magic moment for folks. And I think one of the cool things is it's not just for small files. You can literally drag files up to five gigabytes, a detailed raster, a whole scan of the earth and vector, 
and we figure out how to make it fast on the internet. So one of the folks we brought in-house, her name is Erica Fisher, and she developed this tiling system called Tippy Canoe. Developed it originally in Mapbox, we brought it over and continue to make it open source and contribute it back to the community. It takes a file and produces tiles, internet tiles. And that means even a five gigabyte file can load fast on a mobile phone, on a you know, poor internet connection, on a browser. And this is, again, one of the biggest challenges of working with GIS is these big files that even if you've got the most powerful machine, still make it chug. If you go to the, the uh, GIS subreddit, there's always a thread. What kind of machine do I need to work with maps? How many thousands of dollars should I spend to get started? No, 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 no. <laughs> Please go <laughs> to Felt. Drag your biggest file on there. I promise you it will be fast. And, and the, I, I'm sure you mentioned um, services as well. So OGC services, for example, uh, ISRI services, those things can, can all be added to Felt as well? That's right. So this is something we're uh, just about to launch. So you'll see it on our site soon. You can drag in URLs. So if you have an ESRI feature server or a map server, if you have a Google Sheet URL, if you have just a hosted file somewhere, we can now support URLs and importing those and putting those on the map. So again, really aspiring for that anything mantle. Yeah, I think the the promise of upload anything is, you know, upload anything. And I guess you have to be able to deal with it on the back end. That pipeline that you were talking about before, that must be pretty impressive. How, do you, how are you dealing with coordinate systems? In my you know, relatively limited experience with Felt, I didn't see any options there. There was, you know, it was in whatever coordinate system it is in. So Felt itself is all Web Mercator. We started with that simplifying assumption that to start with, everything will be Web Mercator. Everything is translated to Web Mercator. Google, I think, has shown that that can actually go pretty far. With maps, you can solve quite a bit of mapping needs. Down the line, I'm confident we'll allow other projections and we'll let you, you know, spatialize it exactly how you want. But Web Mercator does the job most of the time. <laughs> and so right now, everything becomes Web Mercator. And I think it's one of the unloved pieces of technology in the world, you know? It gets a lot of hate, Mercator, brr, but it does the job. And I just love pieces of technology that do the job. Yeah, I, I got to say, I, I kind of agree. And also, I think that every coordinate system has a problem. Is At the end of the day, we're still flattening a globe, you know, and, and it's going to cause some distortion somewhere else. Sure, there are some that, you know, in general, when you look at the entire world, are, are better than others. I totally get that. But there's no perfect solution out there. I also noticed a, a routing button on there, on Felt. Did you have to build your own routing engine or is this another you know, example where you're pulling in third-party services? Another example of third-party services is actually using the open source routing engine that MapZen developed. And again, it's about taking these building blocks and making them accessible to customers. Uh, that MapZen open routing engine has existed for, I guess, seven, eight years now. But you can't draw with it. It's not a drawing tool. And so this is something we actually pioneered at the last business at Remix, this idea that you it feels like a pen. You draw on the map. And as you draw, each single thing you click behind the scenes is calling a routing service and connecting those points using the actual streets or uh, sidewalks or bike paths. It's using the actual topology of the road network to do the connecting points. And it feels like magic. It feels like you're drawing, but hey, it drew the right thing. And those are the kinds of tools we love to add to Felt. Yeah, I was actually playing around with this today. And it I was thinking the same thing. This is, this is awesome. This is really cool. Have you seen um, something called uh, a phenomenon, I guess we could call it, called GPS art? No, I haven't seen this. If you go to gpsart.info, uh, <laughs> there's a whole website devoted to it. But also on you know, social media, if you use the hashtag GPS art, you'll find it. I think Strava, people on Strava sort of 
champion this idea. And the idea is that you draw you know, a face, you draw an animal, you draw something or rather on the, on the streets of whatever town, village, city you're going to be running around in. And then you, you run that trace and you, 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 have, you create a GPS trace as you do it and then you upload it. <laughs> One of the things when I saw the way your um, routing tool worked, I thought, wow, this would be cool. I wonder if I could upload a, you know, a vector file onto it because it looks like you can upload other mediums or, or media onto, onto felt and simply trace around that. And in the background, as you were clicking on the different, um, clicking your way around this vector file, you'd be creating this sort of GPS art that I could go and then run or a track that I could export out to my GPS and then run the trace. You know, I think people are doing this. I didn't realize what they were doing uh, because they've shared maps and it didn't quite click for me. But yeah, literally you can upload anything. So an image, a video, uh, SVG, go upload um, that smiley face that you're trying to draw out and then use the routing tool to draw a running route on top of it. And then you can export it, put it on your watch, put it on your Garmin device. You could construct that in honestly probably a couple minutes. Cool. (laughs) Cool. Because otherwise stuff like that is a pain in the ass to do. That's really interesting. You, you have this collaboration feature as well. Is this collaboration like what a lot of people might have experienced in something like Google Docs, Google Sheets, that kind of thing? It is. I think this is how the internet is evolving, uh, which is you go on a document, a video, an image, and now a map, and you can see the other person's cursor. If they're in that same doc, you see what they're doing. You can chat with each other live as you do that activity. And this unlocks a whole set of new use cases that before were impossible or difficult. So for example, one of the largest newspapers in America uses felt internally as their core tool. And every time there's a breaking story, so something going on in the Ukraine, like that dam bursting or being damaged, or a major wildfire or a train derailment, they will go and throw a bunch of their journalists on the same map. And each of those journalists will know a part of the story, but together they can map out the full extent of what the river damage is or what the fire damage is. They'll compile that together export it and then put it on their website in their own format and their own storytelling tools. But Felt becomes that collaboration, that real-time collaboration tool that allows journalists to spatially talk about what's going on. It's really cool. That sounds super complicated in the back end though, is it? It's very, it's very complicated. So this real-time stuff in general is hard because you have to handle conflicts between you know, yeah. two users possibly doing different things. And now we have to do that spatially. So if two people are dragging different vertex points of a polygon. How do you resolve that now doubly evolving polygon? So honestly, a lot of the first year was building some foundational technology to enable this for the first time on the internet. And it goes unappreciated because most times you're interacting with a map by yourself. But then that one moment where you need to interact with someone else, suddenly this whole new world opens up to you. And that's okay. That's what we built it for, opening up that whole new world in the moment that you need it. Is that somehow limited to the amount of users that can be participating in a collaboration at, at any one time? I'm sure there is a limit. We have not found it. Our team of 25 collaborates on maps every single day. You've had people get about 100 people on the map. That works fine. There's probably some number. I don't know what it is. It goes up to 100. We've seen that. We feel confident. Please push us to that number so we can, uh, if a viewer is listening and is like, I'm going to try with 300 people, go do that. <laughs> if it breaks, we'll fix it. Right. And how, how do I, so I've seen on Felt, for example, I've been in and made a few maps, n- nothing special, I have to add, but you talked about people embedding them in their own website. All I could see was a, a link, like save as link or something like that. There's no iframe, no something like that that I can embed into my website? Oh, there definitely is. Yeah. So it's, 
the felt menu file embed oh, is okay. the, the way to find it. And then, yeah, you can embed your, your map inside any other website. You can embed it in a Notion doc. You can embed it in a Google doc. It's really anywhere that you can embed content. You can embed a map for the first time. So we use it in Notion all the time, for example, for internal collaboration. And lots of websites out there, like a restaurant, will put a very simple map of the restaurant. A film festival has a publicly exposed map of all the places to hit up during the film festival. News journalists put it on their site all the time. So yeah, there's many ways to share privately, publicly, and through embedding. Can I white label this? Like, or will it always link back to felt.com? Or can I, you know, if I, if I become a paying customer of this, can I say, I would like, sure, I love what you've done. I just want to have my brand on it. So you can definitely add your brand to the map. You can upload an image, you can add a logo, you can add that context. But similar to Google Sheets, you're always going to have that Google logo at the top. And so that's kind of the, the mix that we have today. Yeah, no, it, it, it was definitely not a critique. I'm, I'm just curious. I also, and the reason I guess I'm asking is because I, I know that you've built a plugin for QGIS. Has that been released yet? We launched it this week. It's been an incredible <laughs> week. We launched our QGIS plugin and a new API you can use to interact with Felt, including what we call the Open in Felt button. So let me walk through all of these because I think they're all exciting. The first is so many of our customers use QGIS as a tool alongside Felt. We actually saw that and realized this is a huge opportunity. So we became the first flagship sponsor of QGIS. If you go to QGIS and take a look, there's Felt. We sponsor them. We're the first, the first. I know. It's amazing. Sponsor. Thank you very much. Um, can I just stop you there? I know you've got yeah. a lot of stuff to say. How did, how did you know that people were using QGIS and Felt together? Just from talking to our customers. We talk to customers every day. We ask them, share your screen so we can see how you're doing this, so we can learn. And then right next to that Felt browser tab will be their QGIS window. And there's so many flows where they go into QGIS and do a really deep analysis, something that QGIS is perfectly suited for, that they want to share it with their team. Uh, and sharing today is often taking a screenshot or taking a file and asking the other person to install QGIS and load it up. That's not accessible for a large audience. And so making that more web-friendly, they export to Felt, they drag it in, and they use Felt as the shareable medium for collecting comments and collaborating. So we saw this and we said, hey, let's just make this easier. So we launched our plugin this week, and it's, it's a single button, the Add Felt button. You click it, it takes your QGIS project, it puts it on the internet. Again, we have the magic of uploading anything, so every single thing <laughs> in a QGIS project will work. We figure it out, we put it up there, and in less than 10 seconds, you have a shareable link that you can send to your friends or your coworkers or the public. Wow. What, what does that mean? So I, I used to work for a utilities company, so something like this would have been a, you know, a very, very useful thing to have to be able to do it so quickly. What does this mean for, for versioning? So Let's say I'm working on my QGIS project. I have my share to felt button ready. I, I do my work. I do my analysis. I'm ready to go. I push it up to over to felt and send a link to my colleagues. When I when the version changes or when I when my data changes, whatever, do I overwrite that or how do how do I maintain that that link? There's a couple ways. You can always create a new map and put a date with the the version. You could upload it to that same map and have users toggle it on or off. You could upload it to that same app, delete the old one. Now they have the new version. One thing we're going to launch later this year that I'm super hyped by, and generally I don't like reveal the roadmap, but I was excited about this, this podcast. We're going to launch map versioning. So map history, version history. And what that means is if you've ever used a Google Doc and you realize, oh shoot, someone made a change last week that 
they shouldn't have made. I want to roll back to the old version. I want to go back to the version from one week ago. You click it, you see every single change that's happened over the last year, and you can select the one from last week. Oh. Later this year, we're going to introduce that same idea for maps. So anytime you want to roll back to a previous version of the map, you click the clock, go back to a week, two months, three months, and say, hey, I want this version from three months ago. Wow, cool. That makes it really useful as a, as a documentation tool as well. I think that, that would be, kind of, that'd be amazing for, for a lot of people out there. Yeah, we're hyped to get it out there. Again, it's making things more internet-friendly, more fun. Even basic things that other software just have built in have been missing for maps. So I'll give you an example, copy-paste. Often it's so hard to just copy-paste something inside a map to another product. And we have made it first class. So you can go copy anything you have in your map, whatever it is, and paste it into another map on a different tab or paste it into Word, or paste it into Google Sheets. We have made it feel the exact same way as any other piece of content on your computer. Oh, so the, the first thing, forgive me, but the first thing I'm thinking of is like, right, so you've got this upload into thing. I can use this as my you know, transformation engine. <laughs> I'm going to upload that and then copy-paste and put it where, wherever else, you know, use it somewhere else as well. Is that, I, I realize this is maybe not the intended use, but is something like that possible? A lot of people use it to yeah, clean up data and get it displayed on a map in kind of a helpful way. I would, of course, encourage you to continue using Felt, but if you feel compelled <laughs> to move it to other places in that moment, we don't want to stop you. We launched an API as part of this last launch, and a lot of folks now use Felt programmatically. So every day, their system, their process, their company will produce a data set that they want to display on a map. And so they use the Felt API, they upload it, then they embed that map on their site, in an email, something programmatic. And suddenly you have a built-in mapping system without having to do anything with maps. <laughs> and there's something really powerful about that. Wow, that, yeah, that, is, that is really cool. Could we talk about these three different user groups again? So I think you, we've, we've been talking a little bit about the functionality and I mean, it sounds like you're doing some really, really cool stuff over there. Getting back to this idea of the user group. So we've talked about those three, those three uh, personas, those, those three user groups. I think the, the GIS professionals was one of them. We had people that maybe needed to make a map, but you know weren't used to using QJS, uh, ArcGIS, something like this. I think you mentioned archaeologists, for example, and maybe just general consumers like we're having a wedding, we're having a meetup, the picnic is over here. Those kinds of folks as well, but with that kind of, of mapping need. C- could you imagine a time where there's a, a person comes in and sort of logs on as as the professional, as a, a casual map maker, or as a consumer of, of maps and gets access to different tools or how, how do you how are you going to reconcile the different needs of, of those different uh, personas? Yeah, I think this is the challenge and the promise of what modern software on the internet's doing. The same piece of software can serve a casual consumer who's just jumping in and be a power tool for people using it day in, day out. So Google Sheets, I always go back to that example. You can literally make a very basic table and plan out your groceries for the day. And we do all our financials inside Google Sheets. There'll be some point where we need to move our financials to Excel, but at the stage we are, it's good enough to do some really, really powerful stuff. Um, and I think you see the same thing. You use Airtable for planning out you know, your invite list, and you use it as a core database for your company. You use Figma to plan out a wedding invite, and you use it to design a modern SaaS application. And so modern design, modern software has found a way to reach both audiences. And it's, if, if we really go into it, it's design in depth, right? 
make the right choice for most people up front, but then give people the full control when they need it in the right place, in the right menu, in the right dot, dot, dot button. And so that's what we aspire to, allow that same application to feel super simple, deceivingly simple. If you go into Felt, it's like a toolbar with a big Felt tip uh, marker as an icon, a set of scissors as an icon. There's a big, juicy 3D pin there. It feels so shockingly simple. And then if you get into it, there's a surprising amount of stuff you can do. And so that's often where we get the most caught up is people don't realize how many things Felt can do. And so we've been trying to show people how other folks are using it in really, really deep ways. So we launched our subreddit. So if you are a Reddit fan, please go to reddit.com slash r slash felt. And you can, for the first time, see our subreddit where people are posting maps that they've created inside felt. If you're not a Reddit user, you can go to felt.com slash gallery and see an incredibly extensive collection of maps that people have made. I think we have a responsibility when we build software that feels this simple to show them all the things they can pull off with it, despite that simplicity. Yeah, that m- makes a lot of sense. I want to go back to your um, examples there, and, and let's stick with the Google Sheets, for example. One of the things I think is maybe slightly different here with Felt is that Google Sheets has a ton of functionality in it. I'm not saying Felt doesn't at the moment, but I, when, when I'm I'm on the website now, I'm looking for that that button. You know, that I'm looking for what well, talked about workflows earlier in, in QGIS to serve those three different users, does this then mean that those more complex workflows will also be possible to carry out in Felt later on? It does. We want to be as powerful as Google Sheets. Of course, it took Google Sheets years to get there, and it'll take us years to build out that complexity as well. That doesn't mean we will ever replace QGIS or Esri. These are very powerful, very complex tools that serve their need really well. But you often need a complement, the online Google Sheets complement. And so we'll be building out that suite of tools over the course of the next few years. We're really dedicated to this. And I think if you talk to our customers, by far the number one thing they mention is you guys are shipping so fast. Uh, If you sign up, even if you don't use the software, you'll get the newsletter. Every two weeks, we show you what we've built. Uh, No no secrets up our sleeve. We show you what we built. And we operate at an incredible pace. And that's one of the things I'm most proud of the team we've been able to build that's able to ship software this quickly. How do you do that? What's your secret? You get good people, and then you lay out a vision for the future that inspires them, and you give them room to make it happen. One of our secrets, though, I'll give you a secret, is I am a big believer that product is felt. It's not something that is talked about. It's not something that's written about. You have to feel it in your hands. You have to feel, you have to use that piece of software to see if it does the trick. And so the first thing we did when we started this business was we set up a very complex, powerful workflow for developers where any PR they put up, any pull request, it immediately spins up an entire version of the universe, all the bits and pieces that go into Felt that reflect that development change. So you write a single piece of code, you can go test it, experience it, share it with the rest of the team without having to ship it to production, without having developers locally download and set it up. It makes it much faster to try an idea, experience it in your hands, and determine is this going to work or not. And so with that infrastructure, we often just spin up a version of an idea, try it, and if it works, then we go forward. Wow, yeah, that's a great way of testing things quickly. And I think too, like that would be a really inspiring if you have an idea, you can just go and try it, right? As opposed to have an idea, no, it doesn't fit into the roadmap, no, it's not possible, these seven other things are waiting. But it sounds like if I was a developer there and I had an idea, I, I could just 
do it. I could implement it and see it and feel it. In the same way we want to make the product fun to use, we want to make product development fun. And so, yeah, spin up a PR, try it out. And we've had some wacky uh, ones where as you scroll, it shows you every Wikipedia article on your screen on the map. And, you know, you just got to, it's, it's fun. And then you're like, okay, this isn't quite right. This isn't the idea for today. We love it, but you got to be really judicious in what you include in the product. But you don't want the judiciousness to happen at the start. It happens after you put the idea in your hands. I hope this is going to be your second incredibly successful business that you've started. And there'll be a ton of people listening to this now thinking, oh, I would like to start my own business one day. I would like to, to do this. I, I see opportunities in mapping as well. Do you have any advice for them? Don't do it. It's exhausting. <laughs> it is tiring. I just had my first kid. He's one year old and I don't know how I fit it all in one place. You don't get oh, much congratulations. in the end. So yeah, I mean, I guess one inter clear eyed that it's going to be a ton of time. There's no escaping that. What would you say? Like, give us an idea of, of time, a year, two years, five years. Like, I realize it's, it's, this is a hard question to answer, but if you had to say a default value here, what would it be? 10 years. If, if your idea works, you're going to be working on it at least 10 years. So just be sure you truly love the area that you're working in. This idea truly inspires you because you don't want to be trapped in something you don't love. Our lives are so short. We must, we must have fun. We must have joy as we do the things we do. And so really love the idea because you might be successful at it. So it's the second <laughs> Yeah, it's a warning and a, a cautionary tale. Yeah. And, you know, if I was to throw out one more thing, it's the people you work with determine so much about the company, the product, the results of what you do. And so really, really invest an absurd amount of time in finding a really good co-founder and finding a really great first set of folks and never stop. That's, that's the thing that makes the difference. Out of curiosity, are you looking for any, who are you going to be hiring next? Yes, we are hiring. We're excited to hire. So Go to felt.com slash careers and you'll see the roles. We are hiring for a front-end engineer. So if you want to work on this kind of stuff, this is a great opportunity to build it firsthand. We're also growing our marketing team. So by the time this podcast goes out, we'll have four or five new roles on the site. We'll have a product marketing role open. We have a customer success role open. We've got a social media role open. So we're, we are at the place where we feel like the product is clicking. Our customers are finding it, experiencing a lot of value. And so now we're growing the marketing team to, get, to have more people learn about Felt and get into more people's hands. Okay, I'll, I'll definitely include links to those uh, in the show notes of this episode and, and do my best to point people in, in that direction once it comes out. Felt today, it, it's free, right? So some people will be listening to this and go, yeah, I would love to work at a company like this. I love the product. I like, the, I like where you're going. I like the fact that you're you know, shipping so quickly and, and you're, you know, you're inspired by the work you're doing and you're making something different. I'm all in. And then they might think, oh, what about the security of this? It doesn't cost anything. <laughs> Would you mind just briefly sort of speaking to the, your, the, the business plan here? How, how is this going to be a business? Yes, no secrets. So uh, the way we're going to make money is we are going to charge customers for using the software. So starting in 2024, January 1st of 2024, you will pay a monthly fee to use Felt. And for consumers, it'll always be free. We'll have an awesome free tier you can use to plan on your hike. If you are a, one of those folks who are new to Maps, there's a very affordable tier that has the core pieces of the software there. And then if you're a GIS professional, there's yet another tier that will have a bunch of cool new features we're launching later this year. So very simple business model. I think that's really important to me because it incentivizes what your business is about. 
We never sell data. We don't look at your data. We take privacy dead seriously. We charge a monthly fee and we build the business on top of it. And, and just uh, as, as a sort of way of rounding this off, what, what will success look like for you? You know, we, we, how will you know that you're being successful? Or when will you know? Yeah, well, I think there's two ways. One is you see the kinds of maps people create and they have continued to grow in complexity every single day. I mean, again, go to felt.com slash gallery. It's the simplest visual story that you just were like, whoa, this is a very intense map that captures every single piece of electrical equipment in America or every single you know, fire over the last decade. Being able to do it on the web has always been very hard. So seeing more and more complex and creative and fun maps get created is the first measure. The second measure is something that my co-founder and I talked about in the early days. We gave it the joke name of the GDP of maps. How many maps are created every single year in the world? And our thesis, our idea, our concept is that we're at the very early stages of maps as a medium being used by how many people could potentially use them. And so I think if we're successful, the GDP of maps, the number of maps created every year, go up by 10x, then 100x, then 1000x. We want many, many more people creating many more maps because it's fun, creative, and useful in their day-to-day lives. Sam, thank you very much. Thanks very much for the energy that you brought to this conversation. Um, I remember this from from the first time I talked with you. It was just it was so clear that you were really passionate about what you do and really enthusiastic. And I, I just love the way you approach it. Another thank you is for being a sustaining member of QGIS for maintaining Tippy Canoe. I also know that you're supporting Proto Maps and PM Tiles. Yeah. Thank you for all those things. I mean, you're giving a ton back to the community. I hope the community turns around and supports you just as much as well. And thanks very much for this conversation. It's been really, really interesting hearing what you're doing. And again, just your general approach to this. I think it's really refreshing. Thank you. I feel grateful to have chatted with you and have had this time. If I was to impress one thing upon your viewers, it's felt is free. Go to felt.com and you can sign up and try it. No need to listen to my words or think about it. Go feel it in your hands. Go get that felt experience. Awesome. Thanks very much, Sam. Really appreciate it. Talk soon. I really hope you enjoyed that episode with Sam Hushimi, CEO, co-founder of Felt. We mentioned the name a ton of times during the episode. It's pretty easy to find. But in case you struggle, I'll put a link in the show notes. In fact, I'll, I'll put quite a few links in the show notes today. I'll have a link to to the plugin for QGIS, um, to Tippy Canoe, so you can try that out for yourself. And I've also recorded an episode with the creator of Proto Maps and PM Tiles, and that is an interesting product. That is worth checking out. So there'll be links to all those things in the show notes of this episode that you're listening to right now. So that's it from me. That's it for this week's episode of the Mapscaping Podcast. I'll be back again soon. I hope that you will take the time to join me then. In the meantime, if you want to reach out to me for whatever reason, the best place to find my contact information is on mapscaping.com. And I would love to hear from you. See you soon. Bye.